Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Geekscapists, I'm here with my good friend Andrew Traoke. He has a brand new movie out. It's called The Reef Stocked. It is out right now. If you're watching this or listening to this, it's going to be out on Shudder or in theaters here in the States. Uh, but as you can hear when Andrew starts talking, he's Australian. He's down in Australia right now. I'm not even going to guess the time difference between where you're at and here in Los Angeles. It's, I'm, you know, maybe I will. I'm guessing it's exactly 12, 11 hours, something like that. You're exactly what, on the opposite what, side what of the planet. Is, what time is it there? It is six o'clock in the evening. So it's seven hours difference. We're, we're, well, actually, it's, it's, we're the next day. So it's, um, yeah, it's more than seven hours, but it, just difference between you and me. I, it's, it's 11 o'clock in, in the morning. Okay, so let me do a quick math. That is six plus eleven, and I think yeah, you're seventeen hours later than me. That's insane. No, you're seventeen fine. hours in the future. Yeah, you're yeah. seventeen hours in the future. <laughs> Are, yeah, that's incredible. Um, nothing big has happened news wise. Nothing crazy that I have to be looking forward to. What are the lotto numbers? Um, <laughs> that's exactly right. Andrew's got this new movie, The Reef Stocked. It's a sequel or does it take place in the same universe as the reef which you'd done a few years ago yeah it's not really a sequel in the sense that you know none of the characters are still there or anything like that it's just more in the same wheelhouse yeah mm -hmm. now talk me through it because you've done a couple of these films mm. uh some are also in one of what you have a series of films that are also in the same kind of wheelhouse same tonal universe I mean, let's call it a tonal universe maybe yeah right uh, but it, it feels like natural world or the environment uh, preying upon people who infringe upon it or just dare to visit. Is that right? Yeah, I guess that's right. I mean, I, I like to call them survival thrillers. It's sort of, sort sure. of like, I'm, I don't know about you, but I love that game of this is real. The boat's gone over. What would I do next? You know, would I stay with the boat or would I swim? So I, I love putting myself in that sort of position. I mean, there's a great book called Deep Survival that 
explores survival situations, you know, right in depth and comes up with certain traits you've got to be to, to be a survivor. So that's kind of what I really like about them. But yeah, they are all in a very natural setting and they all have, they all have a, um, a natural predator, but a predator that's still around. It's, so it's not ghosts or, you know, you know, anything imaginary. It's, it's, they're real animals that still exist. And what led you to that kind of storytelling? Like, like cause it is, mm. is, it's a pretty dominant uh, theme in your filmography. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's two things. One is you get pigeonholed and, you know, that's, I did a couple of successful films and that's what everybody comes to me with nowadays. So, you know, I'm, I am looking for a, um, a nice musical comedy if anyone's got one. Um, um, but the other one is I, I really like suspense and thrillers and um, these are films that I can get made because the whole world seems to think Australia's just got mad, crazy animals that will kill you. Um, so. <laughs> I was just saying how poisonous that continent is. Yeah. yeah. Apparently. We're, we're from Texas. We just have people who will kill you. <laughs> Yeah, I'm amazed I'm still alive. Um, so yeah, no, it's it's so the world does see us as this exotic place. So it was very, it's sort of marketable to make a thriller in this sort of space because you know the world goes, oh Australia sharks, oh Australia crocodiles, you know. So um, so yeah, I mean my main interest is the thrill aspect, the the tension that I can create and and just putting people through um, hopefully um, and you know a nerve wracking time. What were some of those influences getting into film? Take me through young Andrew and mm. what he's watching or maybe what he's experiencing in his own life that's like, okay, like that nerve that it just struck with me. How do I replicate that and how do I get good at, at enhancing that for others? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, the sort of filmmakers that I gravitate towards are the ones that are more about suspense rather than action and, and that. So like, you know, Hitchcock, David Lynch, you know, he's got a wonderful dark psychology about him. Um, those sort of films that are a little bit more cerebral, I guess, in their thriller approach rather than um, being more uh, action-driven. Not that I have anything as action, but I just like the suspense and the psychology of that. So, yeah, those sort of films that have that um, would be the sort of films I was watching. And I noticed that in, uh, you know, you watch, you, you make a shark movie, you're going to get compared to Jaws. You make a shark movie, there's just, it, it's, it's just got its yeah. own gravitational pull. Uh, yet... Unlike Jaws, you're staying almost completely on the water. This entire movie, you're staying almost completely on the water. Yeah. Uh, how is that from a production element, and but also from a narrative element? How are you, because you wrote this movie, what are some of the things that you said? I mean, did you go in knowing that the movie was predominantly going to be on the water, in these uh, skiffs or boats, and there wasn't going to be the safety of shore for long stretches of this film? Was that a design in the writing or was that a necessitation in production? At what point did you make that decision? Because it actually makes this pretty non-Jaws as far as shark movies go. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I think I, once you're on the water with this film, you can't really get off it because, you know, the threat's the shark and I put them on the water pretty early. So, yeah, I guess that sort of necessitated the whole film was going to be on the water. I mean, it's not easy working on the water by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, it's, you know, they say don't work in with children, animals, and in water. Um, so, you know, it was, it, it's not, it's, it was a difficult production I, I, as, you know, I, I was on a natural beach and we actually had one day, we were on the sand, but a shark did swim by. I mean, it was only a small shark. It was only a four foot, five foot reefy, but nevertheless, it swam by. And then another day, it's when we're shooting in water, um, one of the camera assistants trod on a ray and got a barb in her leg. So that was pretty, first four days of 
extreme pain on painkillers. Uh, you know, the wind's blowing. So, you, you know, one day the wind blew the script out of my hand and I landed in the water. So I had paper mache to look at for <laughs> wow. until they, you know, this, what are we doing now? Uh, I don't, well, uh, yeah. Uh, Nature so, doesn't um, like the way we're uh, painting it right now. It's nice. giving maybe, us some feedback. There's no to revenge. Maybe, I don't, I don't know. But the good side of all that is that I think it looks very real and we got that look and feel about the film that um, I was after. Uh, were there times though when you're cursing writer Andrew and saying, yeah. "Hey, you, you couldn't have just written in some some scenes in town. You couldn't have written in some of these other pieces." Yeah, no, totally, absolutely. I mean, like I say, you know, I'd get up at five thirty, put on my wetsuit, be standing in the water for ten hours, come home and take my wetsuit off. I mean, you know, the human body's not designed to be <laughs> marinated in brine for ten hours a day. It's um, you know, so it, it, yeah, no, it was hard work, and the crew were amazing. The cast were amazing. That we all sort of just got on with it and did it and got through it. So, um, yeah, I, I, there were times I was just thinking, you know, when why didn't I write this something on land? So yeah, this musical comedy though is all going to take place. Yeah, in, exactly. Um, it's going to be super posh. Yeah, unless it's um, yeah, it could be um, synchronized swimming. <laughs> no, no, don't do that. To you. I mean, listen. Like, I'm going to talk to writer Andrew and say, dude, don't, don't do that to yourself. I know filmmakers like a challenge. I like filmmakers like to expand their, um, their, their language. But uh, I think the the waters where you, you, you've done your water movies. I think you're right. You, I, I, you've I, I done like them. Yeah. I, I, yeah, we're gonna have to find a way to be suspenseful outside of the water, if only for. You know, a desert, a desert uh, thriller. Yeah, how long did it take you to not have raisin fingers after making this movie? Did it take a couple uh, months? Yeah, it, it, yeah. Look, every day you come out, and your fingers are just prunes. And I'm just worried about the focus puller who has <laughs> like those little gears on the focus pull, and already those little ridges are already on there. And if he's already got pruned fingers and he's pulling focus, yeah. After a while, those start things. Those might turn into blisters. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, you know, on a serious note, standing, you know, there are a lot of what we call midges up there, and then you know, they bite you. They're like little flies. They bite you, and then you scratch them, and you form little scabs. But then standing in water all that time, they start to ulcerate. <laughs> it starts to look a bit ugly after a while. How many days did it take to shoot this film? Uh, it was twenty-four in the all, and the majority of them are in the water. So those yeah. midges, they were they, they they looked at y'all like a uh, salad bar, like they were ready to go anytime. Exactly. Y'all were just like, here we are. <laughs> okay, you're deaf. No more water, Andrew. Andrew, yeah, no, if I've got to if I've got to jump on your side of the planet and stop you, there's no more water going on with I you. I totally okay? agree. You, you got me there. Um, so listen, you were we were talking earlier about building suspense. Not only is this movie predominantly on the water, uh, mm. there's long moments. Of non-action and you expect mm. a movie like this to be it, it is a high concept movie but mm. usually with high concept movies they really pack it with beats does that make sense mm. andrew mm. there's beat 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 and there are high concept beats they're like a, a physical thing breaking and then leading it to a, an attempt at a solution maybe that doesn't really work and then you got to pivot to the next solution but you have all these physical hurdle hurdles uh in this movie there's a long time there are a couple places where there's a long time where, where that isn't there it's characters just existing with each other Is that, yeah, I, I mean agree. i think i think that the whole time the movie's working it's just that sometimes you've got to slow the pace down to create exactly mm. and and it's people kind of existing on the water with each other 
kind of monitoring the situation and it's not always a problem that it is there. It's ready to jump out. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think I think what I'm I, I, I'm not sure, but um, all all I know is that um, you know in the third act there is the, the shark comes back and and they've got to try and find it and to try and cre- create the reality of the situation. You know, I don't didn't want the shark just to be there and all. You know, I wanted them to right. be looking for it and and trying to search. And for me, that's where you bring some of the tension as well because where is it? You know, I think. Seeing a shark fin once you've seen it, and then you don't see it's probably scarier than seeing a shark fin and seeing it the whole time, because uh, then you know where it is. Um, so I mean, in the third act, I sort of had to get the shark back, and then have to fight it. So there were moments when they had to look around and and try and work out where it was. But for me, that was more about um, creating rea- realism and tension rather than um, just typical beats, I guess. Mm-hmm. And. Can we talk about the first act? Because the first act yeah. is actually the most... I mean, I thought that was the way to grip people into this movie because it centers around an act of domestic violence. Yeah, exactly. And it's not... Spoilers, Geekscape is, it is not on the ocean. But it does involve water. And you're able to work that water imagery into later moments in the movie uh, when a character is... I don't yeah. want to give away too much Geekscape but a character is flashing back to... Um, I don't want to call it... Uh, a, a, a personal failure, but it was, it's something that she's definitely haunted by. Uh, yeah. she, you know, um, where did that come from in putting that together? Cause that's actually a really horrific moment in the movie. Yeah, it is. And so look, um, because I did the reef, you know, almost oh, over 10 years ago now, and people have been coming to me with sort of, you know, uh, more B grade shark films because I'd done a good job on the reef, but um, I didn't really want to do that because, you know, um, I'd like to go for realism and suspense. And so it took a long time to come up with an idea. And really, I came up with the idea because I was aware of uh, domestic abuse in this country and how terrible it is. And then I saw this amazing play called Lethal Indifference. And um, I, I was sort of sitting in the uh, in the theatre and, and I looked around, you know, I saw that the audience was mainly old and white. And I kind of thought, wow, this would be great to try and popularize this message or bring this message out a little bit to a wider audience. And at the same time, I'm a surfer. And so I know that um, surfers called sharks the man in the grey suit. And those two ideas sort of collided and I thought, wow, maybe I can do a shark thriller that's also got this allegory or this analogy of domestic violence all the way through it because once they leave the land, the man in the grey suit, i.e. the shark, becomes the threat. And so we have this um, this continuation of the idea. So that's how that all came up together and, and that's what sort of inspired me to write it. And were there times it was difficult to write it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because those two ideas don't necessarily sit naturally. I think, you know, I'm really into elevated uh, thrillers and horror and and anything that sort of you have the ride, but you also have the thought afterwards or, you know, it leaves you somewhat um, contemplative of what you've just seen. And But those two ideas don't necessarily sit that well because the thriller just wants you, like you say, action and keep it going and, oh, there's another shark attack, oh, there's another death and that. But the the higher concept or the domestic abuse um, narrative needs you to slow down and examine relationships and the damage that's happened to these people and how they're trying to get over their trauma. So those two things, one's asking for time and and dialogue and and reflection, and the other one's asking for put the foot down. So you've kind of got to try and get the balance right. So that was the difficulty there to try and to see if you could balance those two ideas out. And I think that, that those are the parts, the, the human pieces in it were the parts that I found to be my favorite portions of the film. Oh, and uh, I mean, ultimately, can we just say that you're not going to put 
shark tornadoes in your movies. Like these no. people who are sending you this stuff, they need to back no. off because exactly. it's either going to be a realistic, like horrific, you know, it's either going to be a realistic terror and it's going to be a, mm. of the natural world. Or I mean, would you consider doing a, the next film to be where uh, humans are possibly the worst uh, yeah, enemies I to mean, each other? Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I sincerely believe out of all the animals on the planet, we're the ones that are most destructive and doing the most damage. Um, so, you know, I mean, once you put humans in, it's just called a thriller. It's not called a shark thriller. I know. It's hard to get financed if you're not going to have a, yeah, a monster that's, that's, of some sense I, in their shirt. You know, I, I have, you know, I would love to just forget the animals and move on to just humans. Uh, I just need the right script and the right producers. Yeah, because that there's a beat in here, Geekscape, and I'm not spoiling too much. But I actually thought it was a pretty beautiful beat where uh, the main character, she sees a bruise on one of her friends as the, as the, the boyfriend or husband comes to intercept her after um, some time out on the water uh, snorkeling. And as in her, her friend gets intercepted by the boyfriend husband, like, you know, I'm still out with my friends. No, get in the car. And then they separate themselves from the friends from the main character. And she witnesses her get in the car and it's, the last time she sees her alive and that moment of seeing her friend get into the car and there's a, there's some knees. There's a lot of knees. Um, that to me was as scary as is a fin going to pop up or is the water going to ripple or is something going to, going to shake um, of this impending disaster. I would love Andrew to see a movie where you mm. were allowed to do that. Um, yeah. Is there, yeah. Yeah. Is there a script like that in the works? I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that, you know, domestic abuse is such a heavy topic that um, when these films, sure. you know, people start talking about these films, it, it usually turns into some sort of, I don't know, it's either a documentary or a very heavy art house film. That's what the trying to fuse it into the genre was appealing to me that I wasn't going down the, either of those two tracks. I was trying to do broaden out the reach of that message. And, and I think the horror that you say you don't gravitate towards uses those things as a metaphor. So that's where the monsters come out of the literal, like the, the monsters are the metaphors for the abuse. Like Freddy Krueger is a metaphor for these things. You know, Jason Voorhees is a metaphor for these things. These monsters that are a little more fantastical, a little bit more beyond mm. uh, what you're trying to do and live within something that is a known tear and an understood tear. Yeah. Um, I, let's see maybe i mean and again for a financier it's not it's just not sexy but we got to find is. you know we got we'll find that lane andrew you write it what is it was it field of dreams you build it and they will come that's right i think so i think maybe we got to write that thing um <laughs> what are some of the other movies that you tried to avoid knowing that jaws has such a gravitational pull in this kind of genre with the sharks and maybe this is a question more about going into this venturing into this water the first time with the reef mm -hmm. um what were some of the things that as 10 years ago over 10 years ago with the reef mm -hmm. you were saying okay this is what's done in the movies that came before it i have to avoid them or these are the successful things that i can build upon where were you at the reef yeah. and then i want to know where you were here in not repeating or in learning from where you were in the yep. first reef for the reef stocked. Yeah, sure. So it actually started with the very first feature I made called Black Water, uh, which is actually, you'd call them alligators, I call them crocodile film. Um, and it was based on a true story. Um, and it was really a case of a, mic, you know, a very small budget. Before that, I had this big film, big sci-fi, no water. Um, and um, 
Uh, unfortunately, that fell over and I didn't get to make that. And, uh, you know, it was it was a real eye-opener because it was a bigger budget and I was a first-time director and it was just obvious I wasn't going to get a break. So I sort of um, gravitated towards the smaller, you know, I thought I've just got to make something that's very contained, you know, the typical thing when you're starting out. And, um, and so I started watching low-budget films and I watched Open Water. And so there I was watching Open Water and... and Strangely enough, uh, in my living room was a blow-up crocodile because I've got kids and, I don't know, they had a blow-up crocodile. And I looked across and I saw the crocodile. Well, well, well there's an apex predator um, and it's an Australian story or, or it's an Australian creature. And so I started researching and I found this amazing true story about a crocodile that chases some people up a tree. And Anyway, um, and, and it was at that moment, you know, the producer's going, oh, I've got to have a, a build the lagoon in a studio. We've got to have an animated crocodile. Uh, and, you know, and I just was going, no, 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 Every, everyone, all those films, you know, they just not, I don't watch those films. They're not things that appeal to me because, you know, there's this wonderful thing that Stephen King says, which is once you see the zipper down that monster's back, the gag's over. And for me, those films are kind of, you know, they're all, you can tell the crocodile's fake and the sure. swamp's fake. And, and so, therefore, I wasn't attracted to that. And so we just um, looked at how do we integrate real crocodiles into our film and how do we shoot in a real location? And it was just lucky that we, we had a, not a swamp, a mangrove, uh, within 30 minutes of where I lived that we could use for the location and we could go and shoot real crocodiles in this country. Um, and so that's how that methodology began and it was very successful. That film did well for itself. And so then the next one, you know, why don't you do it? Well, I, I'd had a shark story in my head all the time. Like I, I read this shark story when I was, I don't know, in my mid-20s or something, and it's this amazingly uh, haunting story about this boat that goes down and these people trying to survive and the shark comes along and picks them off one by one. Wow. Um, and so that was another true story, and, I've, I've, and using the same methodology, that was successful. So it became obvious that if you use this methodology, which is difficult, I'm not saying it's easy because it's much easier to go, oh, let's shoot in the studio with CGI, and, you know, the CGI isn't that good, then people just you know, we'll accept it. That's the zipper. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, And then, and so, you know, that was quite successful. The reef, well, it was successful. And so with this one, um, I just, it was, the difference isn't the methodology. The difference is the storytelling. So in in the original reef, it purely is for me a survival story. Whereas this one, as we've discussed, I tried to elevate it more by bringing in the the domestic abuse angle. Now, this is going to sound like, oh, you went to high school with that person? Do you know Blaine? Oh, you went to that high school? Oh, you grew up in that town? Do you know so-so? Uh, remember, Geekscape, is, Australia is a massive continent. But Geekscape, yeah. I like to think of as a small community. Uh, one of the people who have been on Geekscape before is, uh, we may have been mentioning him uh, without saying his name, but Greg McLean, who did Rogue. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you know Greg? <laughs> Did you I, don't know, I don't know him personally, but obviously I know him as a filmmaker. Yeah, I thought Wolf Creek was yeah. great. He does the Wolf Creek series. He does the, do the Wolf Creek films. Um, yeah. And he did Rogue, which Rogue was yeah. the, the movie with Sam Worthington where yeah. they, I mean, was that based, I mean, was Rogue kind of based on that story of being chased up a tree by a giant? No, no, it's a totally, there's no crossover between those two stories whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, his, I think they're stranded on an island as the tides come That's out. That's it. The, yeah. That's no, a pretty effective films, movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting because both those films came out around the same time, but because uh, Rogue was a big, well, relatively big Hollywood film, he got a lot more exposure. Blackwater is sure. just one of those little gems that has just been sitting there, and when people discover it, they go, oh, wow. You know, it didn't really get this the This is pretty either. cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, I th- 
I was telling this to a filmmaker earlier today. The success for one person doesn't necessarily mean a lack of success for the other person. If anything, they help each other out. If somebody watches Rogue or watches Blackwater exactly. and is still pretty amped up, um, hopefully they just don't go and see the 1980 movie exactly. Crocodile uh, Alligator, where it's in the sewers of New York and just kind of <laughs> eating people. Not that that filmmaker didn't go on to do some pretty amazing things, but uh, yeah. this is. This, Geekscape, this isn't this isn't going to be an alligator, a movie like Alligator. This isn't going to be a Sharknado movie. This is a movie like what you said. Uh, I, I knew I could trust you, Andrew, in watching this movie and knowing that the sharks weren't going to get picked up into a tornado and flung at cities uh, because of that opening. I hadn't seen any of your films before. I'm sorry, but That's watching The Reef Stocked, which Geekscape is going to tell you, it's out right now on, uh, in theaters in the U.S. and on Shutter. Um... I thought it was a pretty gutsy move to start away from the water for the most part with that domestic abuse storyline mm. and to get us to care and say, hey, viewers, we're going to get to the shark. But first, we need to get to the terror. We need to get to the suspense. We need to get to the trauma. And then we're going to put it in the water and we're going to mess with her the entire rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, I really appreciate that because, you know, there are um, certain distributors and they go, oh, it's too slow. Why, well, you know, so, you know, get to, you've got to have a kill within, you know, the standard thing. You've got to have a kill within the first five minutes and all that sort of stuff. Well, I kind of do, but um, uh, yeah. And so, you know, it's, um, it's great to hear that you appreciated that. Thank you. I, I thought it, I thought that part of the film was great. And, uh, and it's what gets you locked in. And ultimately, to keep talking about Spielberg films, because obviously we talked about yeah. Jaws. I keep thinking about people yelling at Spielberg and for those first five minutes of Raiders where he's just going through the jungle and not showing his face until you get that turnaround on the screen direction when he whips the gun out of the, the hand and mm -hmm. says, you know, like I think that it's so it's such a great reveal when Harrison steps in the light, but you, you have to imagine that the producers are like, we just trucked oh. all these people into the jungle you exactly. got to show Harrison's face. We're exactly. come on, first five minutes of the movie, you don't see Harrison's face. He's just moving left to right. What are we paying exactly. you for, Steve? What are we paying Harrison for? And then you got that. That's one of the greatest openings. Yeah, in, yeah. I know a friend of mine history. once said, um, you know, you're making a cookie, but producers want your cookie to be all sugar. You got to put some <laughs> flour in there as well to hold it all together and, you know, keep the. You just wanted the right amount of sugar, not just all sugar. <laughs> no, you can't get you can't get their their you can't let their teeth get gooey, That's or right. else they're going to be sick of the cookie. Um, well, listen, I don't want your fingers to start pruning here in this no. interview like they did in the water. But Andrew, I really want to uh, see what what comes next. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm a you know listen. I don't have listen. I, you're, I'm not your manager, but no, as a fan, as a fan, I want to see you. You know, take some of the time off from the reef, stocked, yeah. and go all in on that on that human script. All well, right, you, you might be happy to hear that I've got a a black comedy, actually, uh, you know, um, sort of a horror comedy idea, which is uh, Spinal Tap meets Dracula. It's about a, um, a an old air band that are on, you know, heavy metal band that are on the way out, and they rock into this town, and unbeknownst to them, there's a whole bunch of vampires there, and they've got to beat them over with their their music, the the sacred chord, and all those sorts of things. So, yeah. Well, I hope uh, Shutter, because I, I, we promote so many of Shutter releases. Yeah. I hope they get on board. I hope every yeah. anybody gets on board. I'd love to see that movie, Andrew. It'd, it'd be awesome. Yeah. It would be. Wouldn't it? <laughs> I can't think of anything more different, but more appropriate than uh, the restock, dude. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. I love talking to you.
Cheers. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.